0: Jesus is powerful. He's powerful. And we have got to have the power of God in our midst. We've got to have the power of God as city church. We've got to have the power of God as Christians, as Christ followers. Nothing else matters if people's lives aren't being changed. Nothing else matters if God is not touching hearts and doing something in His people, and so all those other attributes that matter. I'm, I think they're so important. I'm so glad that we've had a chance to talk about them. But if we remove God's power from the mix, they lose their effectiveness. They lose their importance. They just become something cool, that we can feel good about ourselves that we have. But this is the one that's the difference maker. This is the one that, that defines the Church of Jesus Christ. This is the one that defines God's people is we are supposed to walk and the power of God. Have you ever seen God's power move in your life? Maybe you've got a financial testimony like Matt just shared, and you were at a point where you needed your supply. Man, you needed God to meet that. You needed God to show up, and you didn't know how it was going to work, and God just did something miraculous and supernaturally provided and met your need. Man, that's the power of Jesus at work. That's a beautiful thing. Maybe you had a need in your physical body. And there was no way for medicine to fix it. There was no way for doctors to fix it. There was no way for that need to be met outside the power of God. And you saw God move in your body. Maybe you saw God move in your relationship and your marriage was over. And it was done. And that person was gone and you'd lost them and it was destroyed. And there was only one possibility for that marriage to ever come back. And that was simply the power of God. To, to change your heart, to change the heart of your spouse, to restore that relationship. I believe that the God of the Bible is the same God today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe, I'm crazy enough to believe, that the same God who did crazy stuff in Scripture actually still sits on the throne today. I believe that his power can be evident in our lives. I've seen it in my life. I remember the first time I had a a radical experience with God. I was in the eighth grade and uh, I came down front at a youth rally and um, they were offering a a chance to pray with us, and and some youth leaders laid hands on me, and and the power of God, the Holy Spirit showed up, and I'd been saved for for, for quite some time, but I never had a radical experience with God, and I remember the presence of God in that moment. I remember what God did in me. I remember the way that he changed me. I went from a person who couldn't stand up in front of my eighth grade health class and give a 30-second presentation on PCP. That's the presentation I had to do, and I was terrified, and I shook, and my voice cracked, and I was just awful, and that happened about three days before I went to this experience, and God's power showed up in my life in such an incredible way that next Wednesday night, I gave my testimony at my youth group for the first time, which I would have never done. I was the last kid who wanted to get up in front of everybody, and God totally changed me, and he put a call on my life, and the reason I can stand up here today is because of what God did in me on September 19th, 1995. I've seen God's power face-to-face. I've seen it in so many other ways and so many other situations in my life. I absolutely believe that we serve a God who has power and who wants to allow it to flow into the lives of his people. Luke chapter 7 has a couple stories about Jesus and the power that he had, the power that he proclaimed. And, and this was, in some ways, the easiest sermon ever because if you're talking about the power of Jesus, the whole Gospels, like you can turn to any page in the Gospels and find an example. And so in some ways, it was the easiest thing I've ever written, and in some, it was the hardest because you can turn to any page and find an example. So it's like, what one am I supposed to preach, God? Where am I supposed to go? Where do I take these people to illustrate this truth? And, and he took me to Luke chapter seven, and Luke chapter seven has two stories. One of them very famous that probably everybody in this room is familiar with and another one that for me I didn't become familiar with until just about three or four years ago Even though i'd read it numerous times in my life It just didn't stick out amongst all the other stories of jesus So we're going to read both of these we're going to read a few verses in luke chapter 7 and we'll have some other scripture we turn to as well But I want to teach you a few things today About the power of jesus how many say I need some power in my life just to be honest enough to say, I could, I could stand to a little more power of Jesus in my life. Man, me too, both hands and a foot, right? Like, I need some more power of God in my life. Well, hopefully we can learn some things that will allow us to tap into that power. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 6, just to set a little context for you, there, there's a man, he's a Roman centurion. That means he was, a, he was like a captain in the Roman army. He had people who were underneath him, and this Roman centurion uh, had a servant who was sick, and he had some friends who were were Jews, and that's kind of interesting in and of itself because the Jews hated the Romans. They hated the Roman soldiers. They hated this army that had come in and conquered them, and yet this centurion was such a good man. uh, he, He was so benevolent. In fact, he had helped build their synagogue, which was like their church, and so these Jews respected him. They loved him. They cared about him, and this centurion had a servant who was sick, and so the centurion Centurion asked these Jews, hey, can you go get Jesus for me? I want to see my servant get healed. I love this servant. I care about this servant. This servant is important in my life. So Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 6 says, so Jesus went with them. He went with these Jews. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Verse 7, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Everybody say, say the word. Listen to the faith in this statement, but say the word, and my servant might be healed. Say the word, and maybe my servant will be healed. Say the word, and it could just happen that my servant gets healed. That's not what he says. He says, say the word, and my servant will be healed some serious faith i love it it fires me up verse 8 for i myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me i tell this one go when he goes and that one come and he comes i say to my servant do this and he does it verse 9 when jesus heard it he was amazed do you just hear what verse 9 said when Jesus, the son of God, heard this statement, Jesus was amazed. When's the last time you amazed Jesus? Probably been a while, right? Like, I don't know that I've ever amazed Jesus. I would love to have a faith that Jesus looks down from heaven and he says, whoa, you see that dude? Do you hear what he just said? That dude is Crazy that's amazing. He believes in me that much. I love to have a faith that when Jesus is on his throne, he's looking down at city church, he's got to elbow the angel next to him and be like, you need to see this. You need to see this church. You need to see how amazing their faith is. I would love that. I don't think I'm there. I don't know that our church is there. But I see that it's possible. Isn't that kind of mind-blowing that it's possible to amaze Jesus? He's all-knowing, right? Like he knows the future. He knows the past. He knows your thoughts. He knows it all. And yet, in this moment, the faith of this centurion amazed Jesus. That's just really cool to me. That's, That's really awesome. So when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, this is how amazed Jesus was, he wasn't just amazed to himself, he was so amazed he had to tell somebody. Turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house, and they found that the servant was well. First thing I want you to see about Jesus' power today is that Jesus' power flows from Jesus' authority. His power flows from his authority. What was it that amazed Jesus so much at this centurion? What amazed Jesus about the centurion was the centurion understood authority. That's what he appealed to. He said, "I myself am a man with people under me, and I say the go, and he goes, and I say come, and he comes, and I say do this, and he does this." What was the centurion saying? He said, "Jesus, I know you got authority over this sickness." And because you've got authority over the sickness, you can say go, and the sickness has to go. Where does Jesus' power come from? It comes from his authority. You see, he does sit on a throne, and he truly is in charge, and he rules over nature. He rules over science. He rules over sickness. He rules over disease. He rules over life. He rules over death. He is in charge. And because he has the authority, He can tell this thing to happen, and it'll happen, and he can tell that thing to stop, and it'll stop. And so the first thing you need to understand if you want to begin to tap into the power of Jesus in your life, if you want to see God begin to do the supernatural in your world the same way that he did it 2,000 years ago, is you have to understand that his power flows from his authority. In other words, Jesus is greater than your marital struggle. Jesus is greater than the report you got from the doctor. Jesus is greater from the lack that you have in your budget. Whatever situation it is that you need God's power to show up in, the first thing that you need to do if you want his power to get there is you need to realize he's got authority over this thing. He's bigger. He's greater. And he can tell it to change. And when Jesus says the word, it will happen. Everywhere Jesus went, people marveled at his authority. It's one thing that totally just followed Jesus, was that people were just blown away at his authority. Let me give you a couple examples. Matthew chapter 7, verse 27 and 28. This is when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law did. He stood out because it, Man, this guy talks like he's actually in charge. One time a Pharisee got really offended at Jesus because Jesus told somebody your sins are forgiven. How audacious is it to forgive somebody's sins? Nobody can forgive sins except God. And Jesus is like, ding, ding, ding. Hello. Nice to see you. His authority blew people away. Matthew 8, 27, one chapter later, says, The men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Stuff that's so far beyond us. We can't control the wind. We can't control the waves. We can't control the weather. I can't control whether there's even enough air conditioning in this room. But Jesus can calm a storm. He can wake up from a nap. He ain't even got to be at the top of his game, right? He ain't got to be prayed up. He's asleep in the ship, and the disciples come, and they're freaked out. Jesus, why don't you do something? And he said, well, why didn't you? Because I gave you the authority, but I guess you don't have the faith, so I'll stop it for you. They were amazed at his authority. See, Jesus' power flows from his authority. We have to understand that. The beauty of authority is authority can be delegated. Jesus has chosen to delegate his authority to his followers. He has given us his authority. He's allowed us to tap into it. He says, I want you to be my representative, and I'm going to let you carry my name. I'm going to let you carry my power. I'm going to let you carry my authority. All throughout Scripture, we see authority is delegated. You go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, the very verse, sin. Eve takes the apple, the fruit, whatever it is, and she eats it, being the serpent tempts her, and God comes looking for somebody, but he doesn't go looking for Eve. He comes looking for Adam. Why? Because God had delegated authority over the Garden of Eden to Adam. He had put Adam in charge. And so when Adam s- sat down on the job, when Adam failed on his responsibility to make sure that nobody ate of that fruit, God didn't come looking for Eve because it wasn't her fault. He came looking for Adam. Why? Because God had delegated authority. And I could, if I had time, I could teach you all through Scripture and show you how God delegates authority. But what you need to know is this. God has delegated authority to you if you are his child, if you have received Jesus, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, God has placed authority in you just the way that this centurion had it in his army. God's given it to you. Now it's delegated authority. It's not final authority. He's got the final authority. And if you start using your authority in a bad way, he can take it away and he can deny it. And I'm not saying you are the ultimate person in charge, but God has allowed us to have his authority and to walk in that authority. And it's very important. So that's the first thing we need to see about The power of Jesus. The second thing we see in this story in Luke chapter 7 is that Jesus' power flows from authority and then it flows towards faith. Flows towards faith. Verse 9 said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Now, this one's hard for us to understand because if you or I were God, our authority, our power would not flow towards faith. Our power would flow towards need. That's in our human understanding. We see need. We see things that are wrong. We see things that are unjust. And we're like, man, if I could fix that, I would fix it. But the way God designed the universe to work is his power doesn't flow just to need. His power flows to faith. And so what does that mean for us if we want God's power to flow in our life, we may have some great need, but we're going to need to match that need up with some great faith. Because God's got the power to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. But time after time after time in the scripture, time after time after time in the gospels, Jesus's power went to those who had faith. In fact, there was an experience Jesus had. He went to Nazareth, his hometown, and it says there in his hometown, he did not do many miracles there. In fact, it says he could not do very many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I don't understand how that works. Jesus could not. Maybe that's a mistranslation. Maybe that's not exactly the way that it sounds, but I know this. Jesus' power flows to faith. And if you want his power in your life, if you want his power in your marriage, if you want his power in your parenting, you want his power in your workplace, you want his power in your body, if you want Jesus' power, you're going to have to start having some faith, start stretching some faith. And what I talked earlier about praying some big prayers, I think we serve a God who wants us to pray bigger prayers who wants us to ask him for greater things, who wants us to believe him for bigger and bigger things in our life. Not that he doesn't care about the little thing, not that he doesn't care about if you get a good parking spot at Walmart, but if that's the biggest thing you're asking him for, man, begin to stretch your faith, because he can do more than give you a good parking spot, right? He wants to use us to impact the world around us. His power flows from authority, and it flows towards faith continue on in the chapter picking up in verse 11 we'll see our second story here so soon afterward jesus went to a town called nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him as he approached the town gate a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her when the lord saw her his heart went out to her and he said don't cry I love this about Jesus because, spoiler alert, he's about to raise the kid from the dead, okay? We'll just get that out of the way so you know how the story ends. He's about to show his power in a mighty and ridiculous way. And yet, before he restores life to this boy, he extends compassion to the mother. I love that I serve a God like that. That even in the midst of knowing this thing that caused you great pain is going to end, and I'm going to take it away from you, and you're going to walk in great joy in just a moment. But before you walk in that joy, I just want you to know, you don't have to cry, girl. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I'm there. Jesus walked in constant compassion. That's the third thing we want to see is that Jesus has the power to wipe away every tear. I don't know what tears are in your life right now. I don't know what loss you've experienced. I don't know what frustration is you're going through. I don't know what hole is in your heart, but I don't need to because he does. And I don't know what you're missing right now. I don't know what hurts you have right now, but I dare say there's probably not too many of us in this room who have a deeper hurt than a widow who lost her only child. That's probably about as low as it gets. By God's grace, I've never experienced the loss of a child. I hope I never do. But I can't imagine there's too many hurts on this earth deeper than what this woman felt in that moment. And yet Jesus had the power, had the authority to step in to her situation and say, girl, don't cry. I got you. I got this. So maybe you just need encouragement today. That there is a God with power and authority and compassion who sees your hurt, who sees your need. Psalms says that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he binds up our broken hearts, that he knows what you're going through, and he is not silent, he is not ignorant, he is not looking the other way, he is moving in the midst of your situation, and he cares. He's got the power to wipe away every tear. Verse 14 says, then he went up after speaking to her, and he touched the coffin. So basically the way this worked in, in this culture, just to, to set this, they, they would carry uh, a funeral procession, would go through the center of town, and the, the pallbearers, instead of carrying a coffin like we do where you would kind of grab onto a pole and, and walk it there, they would put the, the deceased almost on like a bed that was made of like uh, like sticks, And so they would bundle it up, and almost like you would think like a raft, like you see like Survivor or something, somebody makes a raft of sticks and and rope. That's kind of what the bed was like that they would set the deceased on. And they'd wrap the person up in the grave clothes, and they'd set them on this bed, and they'd carry him like this on, on top of their shoulders. So the men are walking through town carrying this deceased boy on this coffin, and Jesus comes up, and he touches the coffin. The pallbearer stood still, and Jesus speaks. And he says, young man, I say to you, Get up. I don't know if he needs to hear that this morning. Maybe there's somebody in this room. You just need to hear Jesus say, get up. Maybe you've been laying down too long. Maybe you've been discouraged too long. Maybe you've been depressed too long. Maybe you've been out of the walking in your gifts for too long. Maybe you've been setting aside your purpose for too long. And Jesus would just say to you today, get up. It's time to come back to life. It's time to get back to what I put you on earth to accomplish. It's time to get back to the things that were already in your heart, the things that were already there. I'm going to breathe some new life into that heart, and I'm going to put a new beat in that heart so that you can get up. See, sir, we serve a God who has that kind of power. He says, I say to you, give up. Verse 15, the dead man sat up, and he began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. I don't know why, but that is a story that we don't, like, hear a lot. We hear Lazarus raised from the dead all the time. We hear Jairus, who had the sick daughter, and Jesus goes in and raises her. For whatever reason, this is like the forgotten resurrection. For me, like, if somebody's coming back to life, that's a big deal. That's a cool thing. I I used to tell people, and I still in my heart have, have this desire. For whatever reason, since I was, like, 14 years old, I've always believed that one day in my life, I will see somebody raised from death to life. 34, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe I'm wrong. But in my heart, and in my my heart of hearts, I believe at some point I'm going to be involved in seeing somebody come back to life. And that's just something I've always held on to. Well, when I was youth pastor here for for like seven years, I used to tell our students that. um, And I'd mention it not like all the time, but maybe, I don't know, once a year or so. I don't know. Semi-regularly. And after about seven years of that, we had a student who came up to me, and actually she Facebook messaged me, and she said, hey, you know how you always say you want to see somebody raised from the dead? And she said, I don't think you realize it, but you already do. I said, how many students have come through here who are so far from God, and God used you, and they've come back to life? And I'm like, dang it, I hate it when my students have more faith than I do. It's not how it's supposed to be. Like, it was so cool that she put in that. I still want to see somebody raised from dead. Okay, I'm not setting that aside. I still believe that can happen. I believe that one day maybe it will in my life. But whether it does or whether it doesn't, you do have the opportunity to see the dead raise to life. Because God's chosen you to help go reach people who are far from him, people who are dead in their transgressions, and that God can fill them with new life. I love seeing the power of Jesus. He has the power to wipe away every tear. The fourth thing I want you to see is Jesus has the power to raise the dead to life. physical dead, the dead dreams in your heart, the dead relationships in your life, whatever it is that's maybe dead in God's people, Jesus has the power, he has the authority to raise that thing back to life. Verse 16, they were all filled with awe and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. I want you to see that Jesus' power inspires his people to praise, to worship, and to witness. Here we see what happened first. First of all, they praised God, and then the news about Jesus spread to the surrounding countryside. So when you experience the power of God, when you see Jesus really show up in your life and begin to change things and begin to do things that nobody else can do, there's two proper responses for God's people. The first proper response is we need to worship him. We need to praise him. We just need to go to God and say, God, you're awesome. God, thank you for supplying my need. God, thank you for healing my body. God, thank you for restoring this relationship. Whatever it is, God, he deserves praise first and foremost. But secondly, after we worship, we got to tell somebody. God gives us a story, not just for our own good, but to impact others. And so all these people are here in this little bitty town called Nain, this town that had probably under 300 people, Bible scholars tell us. And these little bitty town sees this incredible miracle of God happen, and they go out and they start telling all the other little bitty towns. And the news of Jesus begins to spread around the countryside because of one miracle that he did, because of one boy who was raised to life they couldn't hold a secret in. When you really begin to experience the power of Jesus, people going to know about it. When God really begins to move in our midst, we're not going to I'm not going to have to get up here and tell you to go tell somebody. You're going to tell somebody. It's going to flow out of you. It's going to be abundance in your life where you can't be shut up. Because God is too good to me and I got to let people know. And I'm ready to see that day happen. I can't wait till we can't shut up about the goodness of Jesus. Jesus' power over sickness, over disease, over sin, over shame, over guilt. He has power to restore. He has power to forgive. He has power to empower. He has power. And he didn't take that power with him into heaven. He sends that power to you and to me. He delegated that power. And a couple weeks back in our series, we looked at how Jesus is enjoyable. And in that message on how Jesus is enjoyable we looked at John chapter 14 and in John chapter 14 Philip asked Jesus a question and we discover in that question that Jesus says hey I'm just like the father if you've seen me you've seen the father well I want to turn back to that passage as we get ready to wrap up this morning I want to show you a couple quick things in John chapter 14 they're going to help us to understand how to walk in God's power the worship team is going to come down Uh, don't worry about them just stay with me John chapter 14 if you got your Bible turn to it Verse 9, Jesus answers Philip. Philip says, we want to see the Father. Jesus answers Philip in verse 9. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And check this out, verse 11, 12. It says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So Jesus says, first of all, if you don't believe my words, you can believe my power. You've seen it. You've seen what I've done. Trust me. But then he goes on to say this. He talks about the miracles he's done. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, do you have faith in Jesus? If you have faith in Jesus, say yes. Yes. Anyone who has faith in me, this is for you. Look at somebody say, this is for you. Anyone who has faith in me. I love that he clarifies it this way because sometimes Jesus says stuff to his disciples and I'm like, was that just for these guys in their season or is that for me too? Like I want to take everything he said to his disciples and think it's for me, but sometimes I got that little doubt in the back of my head. Maybe that's not for me. Well, Jesus makes this one clear. For me, for, for those who are simple-minded, he makes it real clear. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What's he been doing? He says, look at the evidence of the miracles themselves. This is the context. I've been walking on water. I've been feeding 5,000. I've been healing lepers. I've been bringing people back to life. That's what I've been doing. He says, anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even What? Read it. He will do what? Greater things. I love to do just like a tenth of what Jesus did. Yet he said his plan for his people is to do even more. I got a ways to go. I need to stretch my faith. I need to start believing God to do some stuff in my life. Because he says I want to do even greater things through you. Because I am going through the Father. Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask What's the next little three words say? I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why do we sing there's power in the name of Jesus? Not because it's catchy. Not because it gets stuck in your head all week and now you're singing it at work. We sing there's power in the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Next thing I want you to write down is Jesus' power follows his name. It follows his name. We teach here at City Church. When we pray, now there's this Christian thing in our culture, and I don't mean to be legalistic and I don't mean to be judgmental because I have been this guy. But a lot of Christians, when we pray, we pray to the Father, Father God, your heavenly Father, whatever. And at the end of our prayer, we say, in your name we pray, amen. Well, I don't pray in his name. I don't pray in the name of the Father. I pray in Jesus' name. So if you hear me pray, every time you hear me pray, I try to make sure that I say, in Jesus' name. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Like, I'm not trying to be legalistic about it. I'm not, like, judging you if you pray a different way. But can I say this? Like, the power is in the name of Jesus. So I want to use the name of Jesus. Right? Like, he says, if you pray, if you ask of it in my name, if you ask in the name of Jesus, Then it's going to happen. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Crazy. Three more verses here. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Last thing I want you to see is Jesus' power flows through his spirit. You see, today, Jesus does not live in me technically. You know, a lot of times we teach kids, like, when you accept Jesus to pray, like, Jesus, come into my heart. Well, Jesus doesn't really live in my heart. Jesus actually lives in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. But he says, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not leaving you alone. I am sending somebody to you to live in you. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so the power, the authority that Jesus carries now lives in me through his spirit. Because here's the other crazy thing. When Jesus was on earth, he didn't actually walk in his own power and authority. He actually walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And If I had time, I could show you that and prove it to you in Scripture today. You can just take my word for it, or you can go look it up. But I promise, it's the truth. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered him to do the miracles. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered him to raise from the dead. It was the Holy Spirit who did that. Why? Because Jesus didn't have the power himself? Of course not. Jesus had all the power himself. He wanted to demonstrate to you and to me that just because he went to heaven didn't mean the show got up, the show ended. When he went to heaven, the same guy who was doing the power through me, who was doing the miracles through me, he's going to live through you. And so Jesus' power flows through his spirit. So if you want God's power to show up in your life in a great way, lean into the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you, begin to ask the Holy Spirit to evidence himself in your life. Begin to research. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Acts chapter 2 talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Begin to see the things of the Holy Spirit. Begin to read and ask God, God, if if you don't have as much of God in your life as you want right now, the Holy Spirit's the difference. And it's just a matter of allowing him to have more control, allowing him to have more room, allowing him to have more space in your life. So begin to allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and through you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says very famously, but you will receive, you will receive what? Power. That word in the Greek is dunamis. It's dynamite. It's explosive. It's powerful. It's not quiet. It's not hidden. It's not something that we keep to ourselves. It's power that shows up and impacts the world. It's power that shows up and changes lives. It's power that makes a difference. And he says, You will receive that power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's power. There's power. Look at somebody and say, Jesus has power. Look at somebody else and say, he wants it to flow through you. He does. We're going to do something different in our altar time today. I want to change things up. I'm going to ask our our elders and their wives to come down, if you would. Leonard, Paula, Tim, and Kim, if you guys would come down. Um, I want to offer a chance to pray with some people today. And if you've got some lack in your life, if you've got an area where you want to see God's power show up, Man, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, it's emotional, something I didn't list, doesn't matter. He's got authority over all of it. If you've got an area that you want to see God's power show up, we're going to sing that song again, There's Power in the Name of Jesus. And at any point during that song, if you just want to slip out and come down, we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to believe that we serve a God who has power, who still does miracles, who shows up in our lives. And we're going to agree together in prayer. Um, And if somebody comes down and they're praying, and you want to come down and just put your hand on their shoulder, and encourage them and support them, man, I want to release you to do that. If you got a friend of uh, somebody that you care about who's down here, just, let's just be the church today. So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to do that. So if you would just stand up, we're going to sing. And as we do that, if there's anything in your life where you're like, I need to see God's power, I need this addiction broken, I need this sin taken care of, I need this physical thing healed, I don't know what it might be, whatever it is, man, come on down and we're going to believe God for his power. Father God, we thank you right now. Just slip up your hands to heaven if you're comfortable, Speak gonna go to God with?